Westlaw Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with a red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. And I'm John Lacombe. Uh, after this big win against Michigan State last week, Scuzz decided to celebrate, uh, <laughs> head out to Disney for the week, and uh, so... We, we might hear from him a little bit later on, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. Um, see if we can pull him away from the It's a Small World or uh, get him off the teacups for a, a little chat about this Michigan State game. I'm sure he's just been riding those teacups nonstop. He can't be bothered. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, we seem to have Michigan State's number. I mean, we it's the third year in a row we've beaten him. I, I think that's the first time that's happened since like the 19 teens or it's been a long, long time since we've beaten them three in a row. Um, you know, going into East Lansing, 29, 19, the victory and, uh, you know, coming out of halftime, we're up 14 to six and they score those two quick touchdowns, you know, the Felton Davis, uh, jet sweep run. And then, you know, him catching the, the Lewerke pass and, uh, they, they took the lead. And I, I, I know I thought, Oh boy, Again, we're we're going to do this again, but uh, you know they they came back and you know took the lead and then extended it in the fourth quarter and you know defensively really held up quite nicely. Yeah, this one, you know, I think when Michigan State got those points back and and briefly took the lead, I think I texted you guys that um, you know people can talk about Felton Davis until the cows come home, but the bottom line is we're yet yet again in another situation where we're going to rise and fall based on our ability to get second half points, and we did. Um, I think if you're looking for a place where the game really turned, it was on that personal foul penalty that Michigan State got um, on our drive immediately following them taking the lead, um, and that was kind of it, and that was all we needed to extend and move down the field again. Um, and get there. But, you know, over the course of the game, Clayton had, I'd say, a very excellent game. He had, uh, you know, a couple interceptions, um, but, you know, they weren't well, interceptions. The, the, the one just bounced off of, uh, right. Right. And, uh, off of yeah, Drake Drake's, Anderson. Yeah, Anderson's face. and Right. So, I mean, it was like it wasn't because he wasn't locating. You know, really early on, it became clear that, that Clayton's fastball was really going. Um, he had real great zip on the ball. Well, and then 77 yards downfield to uh, Kyrick McGowan sure doesn't hurt. Absolutely. And I mean, I think, and that was just a little bit of a coverage breakdown on Andrew uh, or David Dowell. A, a little bit. <laughs> and I, and, and to say that I wasn't just a little bit gleeful about a guy who decommitted from Northwestern <laughs> getting beaten for 77 yards. Um, no, what, would be... what was crazy about that play is, you know, we've been hitting that crossing route the entire, you know, opening of the game you know we just showing that crossing route and then you know we ran that that cross again and dowell decided to to try and jump the cross and mcgowan was just like okay you're gonna give me 15 yards of clearance between me and anyone else before i you know catch the ball and turn on the afterburners and just see in the end zone sure let's do that right and i think this to to our credit i mean i wouldn't necessarily call this a half time adjustment it's more of a a game-to-game adjustment the screens I mean I think one of the real frustrations we had against the Michigan game is we saw that J.J. Jefferson screen and then we didn't see another screen the rest of the game and and um, we were really you know making the effort to run a lot more of that stuff I think there were a couple plays that sort of looked like RPOs but were actually just screens like just getting the ball out there and seeing what happens and even if a play like that gets blown up if you're executing it a couple of different times you're showing the defense different looks and I think yeah, I mean, it was a situation on that one play where um, their safety just made a total misread and got caught flat-footed, and it was a big game. And, and Thorson just rolling left, fired an absolute cannon oh, on that play. On, on, the, on the numbers, beautiful throw. Yeah, and, and again, you could throw into that to, to you know, another play to the guy who's officially our breakout player of the year, uh, Triple J, J.J. Jefferson. Um, another beautiful ball by Thorson. Um, dropped it right into him, but I mean that's JJ's got two long impact plays um, in in two consecutive games. So you know, and I think Fitz certainly was trying to make a lot, probably to motivate the team out of 
our run game being absolutely anemic. Um, Drake Anderson, who really had, I think, one carry coming into this game, ended up being our de facto number two back after Solomon Vault in this game. Um, well, in, in so far, he had five carries for 12 yards. And, right. You know, he had a, Now, he had a long of 11 where you could almost catch glimpses of Daddy the way he was racing yeah. around the corner there. He's, Drake Anderson is little and slight, but he is not slow. Uh, he has that top gear. But, but again, best run defense in the country. And we have a, and add to that a mediocre pass defense. So this was the way it was going to be. We were going to just take a few bites. I would have hated it. Vault and Anderson combined had 15 total carries. I would have hated it if they would have had any more than that. The run game wasn't there. Like every now and then, we would take a little nibble and see, hey, anything opening up? No? Okay. Back to Clayton because Clayton was dealing and having a great game. And that's Michigan State. Mediocre pass defense, great run defense, best in the nation run defense. So I just, you know, we talked about this last week, right? But this idea that because we had we ran really poorly against Michigan and Michigan State, two of the probably five best run defenses in the nation, that like the team that ran really well against Duke is, I mean, against Purdue isn't going to show up again when we play Nebraska and Rutgers, like it's, that's not the way things work. Um, the run game is going to be fine. Um, and, but in this game, you know, offensively, um, we were able to, to do it. And Clayton was able to make all of those throws, spread the ball around. And that was more than enough offensively. And, you know, you, you got to give a little bit of credit to McCall as, as much as we are loath to do that. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of times you'd see us tr- really trying to force the run. It's like, we got it. We got to establish the run. We got to establish the run. But real early on, it just wasn't there. And, you know, to his credit, we got away from it. And to, to our benefit. I mean, that's really what it was. Cause, you know, like you said, Thorson was dealing. Um, and I have a really funny feeling that this weekend uh, against Nebraska, we're going to be running quite a bit because, you know, Jonathan Taylor ran all over the Huskers uh, last week. Right. It's like, yeah, don't be shocked when we play Nebraska's crappy defense if the run game, like, works. <laughs> um, one other, you know, important point to make, too, and there are some interesting things for us to talk about relative to the offensive line. I know if Scuzz was here, he'd really be drilling down on this stuff. But a couple of things jumped out to us. Two of our linemen had a relatively rough go of it. Um, J.B. Butler had a really rough go. Um, now I think the question is becoming: Is he hurt? What's going on with him? He's had a couple of rough games. And, that and are kind he, of... he just got dropped to second string. I mean, Nick right. Urban's taken over for him at guard. Right, exactly. And now he's officially been demoted. So I think the question is really: You know, is is he battling something? Is something there? Because he's not been the guy that we've been accustomed to for whatever reason. And really close along those same lines is Blake Hance, who. Did not play the game before this and then came in and played and and was not 100%. That was just absolutely apparent. He had a couple of really bad plays, especially early in the game, where he was just getting just thrown around a little bit. Um, and I think, you know, I'm sure that's a really tough situation because Blake Hans is a better tackle than Gunnar Vogel is. Um, not by a mile, but he's better. And when you get into a situation where you've got a guy with a bum wheel coming back, there's that really gray area. Well, is, you know, 85% of Blake Hans better than 100% of Gunnar Vogel? You know, and those are hard decisions to make. And, and I give Hans the credit. He did tough out the whole game. And, you know, it could be a Thorson situation where he's just going to continue to improve. Um, with all that said, there's something important I want to talk about relative to the line and relative to the wide receivers. Because like we said, Clayton was dealing. But... Flynn Nagel, Cam Green, and Bennett Skoranek cut 24 balls. So that's the core of our of our pass offense, and, and, it, and it has been. Like, those are our three ball catchers right there. Those are the move-the-sticks guys, right? Um, and those are guys who certainly have been in, accused of not getting separation. I mean, none of those guys. I mean, Nagel, I guess. But these are sure-handed route runners, right? Um, they're not blazing speed guys. They're not guys who are going to create that separation, but that doesn't matter when the other team can't pressure the quarterback. 
those guys are going to get open eventually. The problem is when you play a team like Michigan, who gets awesome pass coverage, and it's like, well, our corners are just going to be in your face from the get-go because we don't think you can get separation in the two seconds it's going to take us to get to your quarterback. Yeah, their, their pass rush isn't going to give any time for the receivers to get any separation uh, from Michigan, yeah. Exactly. Michigan State just doesn't have that. They're just not built that way. They weren't built that way last year either. They're not a good pass-rushing team. They've got real beef inside and great linebackers and this unbelievable run defense, and they've just decided that's where our bread is buttered. Throw on us if you can. Um, it's a good way to be. Our defense is of a very similar profile. Um, and, but, but with that said, if Michigan state's not bringing at least five, they're not getting to the quarterback. And even with the offensive line issues that we were having, Clayton had a relatively clean Jersey. So if it's like the same thing, because again, we're going to be playing two teams in the next two weeks that don't do anything well. (laughs) So that these things are important to remember. So it's like, you know, that you can expect that the same kind of pass game is going to be available each of the next two weeks and a superior run game. Um, so that's <clears throat> these are very positive things to be thinking about from a defensive perspe- perspective too. Um, I just God, I want to tip our hat to our defense for what they had to deal with in the secondary over the course of this game. You have a guy who is an NFL receiver. Felton Davis is going to start in the NFL. Absolutely. That guy's an, he's a beast. An, he's an absolute monster. It's like if you combine Bennett Skoranek and J.J. Jefferson into one person, that person is Felton Davis. This massive body who also can run like a deer. I mean, the guy had a 48-yard reverse for a touchdown against us, and he's enormous. And it's not because our guys just couldn't. It's because like you give the guy one bit of space and he's gone. They did a really good job of figuring out how to use him. But on the flip side, this is we were a defense that at a lot for a large portion of this game was without its top two cornerbacks trying to contain a future NFL starter at wide receiver, and that's just so hard to do. And to be able to have the overall success that the defense had rolling with those punches was just just an amazing effort. Absolutely. And you know, I was taking umbrage with the narrative that the announcers were providing that, you know, Hardage was getting owned by uh, Davis. And I, I don't know that that was the case. I mean, yeah, he got nicked up and whether or not it was cramps or, or whatnot, he did have to leave the game for a while. And yeah, that... When he wasn't 100%, Davis was getting the better of him. But at the beginning of the game, Davis didn't do a whole lot. And, you know, when Hardage ended up coming back later on, Michigan State wasn't able to get to Davis late in the game. And they desperately needed to, and they couldn't. Yeah, and and the other part of it is, aside from Felton's big run, that one run was half of Michigan State's rushing yards for the entire day. They did nothing on the ground. You might say that our run game was anemic, but Michigan State was trying it with multiple backs. Um, they were trying to run with Lewerke. It wasn't working for them. And yeah, he was able to throw for a bunch of yards. But again, this was against a team that, and, and like you said, Hardage, the announcers were giving him, Hardage was so amped up at the start of that game. He got off to a great start. He got tired eventually because the poor guy was on an island. Then he started to cramp up. But I mean, overall... You can't say anything but kudos to the overall effort that Hardage put out there. Um, it was a great effort. And, and again, if he'd had any kind of support and hadn't had to flip-flop with Davis on every single play um, and hadn't cramped up, I think you would have seen an even better situation. But as it was, I mean, I, I came away feeling really short, really, uh, really quickly into this game that I had a completely full read on Michigan State, exactly what their strengths and weaknesses are. Um and it was right in line with our expectation. Lewerke can make throws. They've got a couple receivers who are good, including one who's absolutely spectacular. And that's about it. Um, and an amazing run defense. You can throw on them, um, and they can't run on you. And if you've got a good defense, that's good enough to carry you through. So, um, yeah, I think to the outside people and, and anyone who had to endure this you know sad month that we all went through together... Um, Maybe you weren't expecting that coming in, but 
But here we are, a great win, a great defensive effort, and you know, pivoting into a, a much different portion of the schedule. Uh, real quick, before we uh, pivot off this, I, I do want to give a shout out to Cam Ruiz. Uh, you know, he came in for Hardage, and I thought did a, a fine job. He was around the ball quite a bit, and you know, he it didn't seem like he was getting burned a ton. And you know, for a freshman to come in. And, you know, be asked to step up and, and try and cover Felton Davis. You know, I, I thought he, he performed quite admirably. So, you know, definitely looking forward to, to him kind of progressing in the future. So shout absolutely. out to him. Yeah, absolutely. And now, you know, you look at the two deep for this coming week. Hopefully, you know, it looks like Greg Newsom's listed back, which is amazing. Um, Montre's listed back and you hopefully you'll get as much out of those two guys as we can. But it, yeah, it's good to know well, that we've got young guys who are ready to step up. So here's the thing with the two deep. Um, two deep is not taking injuries into account. So, I mean, that the two deep is, and this is the way I've been reading it all season. The two deep is if everyone's healthy, this is a two deep. Um, and you know, they'll announce the outs, uh, the injury report later in the week. And, you know, from there we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. But, um, you know, so I, I'm not going to read a ton into, you know, Newsom being listed first on the two deep because, that's where he's been. Um, if he's healthy or not, we'll, we'll determine that later on this week. But, uh, so I, I would, I pump the brakes a little bit on reading too much into what the two deep set says, especially cause like, you know, Fitz has said, if you're not on the two deep, I'm not saying a thing about your injury status. <laughs> you mean like JJ Jefferson's potentially broken hand that we heard nothing about? Absolutely nothing about. And he comes in, he's like, Oh, he's got a broken hand. Wait, what? And he goes out and has the kind of game he has. Yeah, no, I mean, it may have been broken, may have just been bruised, whatever it was. But yeah, exactly. Um, one other thing, though, relative to the two deep, just in a general sense, Solomon Vault listed as the starting running back against Nebraska. The flip side of the horrible Jeremy Larkin situation is that Solomon Vault, a guy who has just earned this as much as you possibly could earn it is starting for Northwestern at a meaningful position and getting a lot of playing time. And it's just like, that is just so great. If only it worked out for like that for every football player puts in the effort, you know, a guy like Larkin, it's just, there's no justice for a guy like that. But every now and then karma actually works the way it's supposed to. And just a guy like Vault who had to sit out that whole year, his career was practically dead and buried, um, is now our starting running back and, and looking great. And there, I think there's a really good chance he's going to have a special game against Nebraska. And it would just be so awesome to see. And another thing about the two deep, I mean, we've, you know, Fitz has shown that he is going to go deep into the well of the running backs. I mean, you know, just because, you know, it's Vault and Moten does not mean we're not going to see uh, Drake Anderson. Does not mean we're not going to see Isaiah Bowser. I mean, those guys are going to get run. So, you know, the, the rotation we have at running back is deep. And it's deeper than the two deep goes. So, let's, let's keep that in mind. Shall we talk about Nebraska? Let's do it. Um, <laughs> it's It's so funny because... There are going to be so many people out there being like, well, now here we are. Are you, you know, have you guys, speaking of karma, have you guys just driven us into a place where karma is just going to throttle us now? Um, and, and I don't think we have, but we are going into this game with eyes wide open, right? Um, so the easiest way to sum up Nebraska is this. This is a team with, let's say, maybe five good football players don't think i'm being like hyperbolic here like nebraska sucks okay they have maybe like five good football players within that five there are a couple great players stanley morgan great wide receiver okay their best player is their quarterback he's only a freshman adrian martinez and he's gotten better as the season has gone on he's a truly special player he's out there trying to do it all by himself. Um, but he alone is making things interesting. For example, against Wisconsin, Nebraska was never going to win that game. They were never going to come close to winning that game. But they didn't get blown out. 
and they didn't get blown out because Martinez is so darn good sometimes, scrambling, getting outside of the path of of the pocket, and just making things happen that he just willed them into the game. Um, he is a lightning bug, and his pocket presence. I was laughing, texting you guys. Every single Nebraska offensive play looks like a Hail Mary at the end of a football game. <laughs> the pocket just evaporates immediately, and he just goes off running left or right and just extends, 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 and eventually he can find someone downfield. So that's literally their offense. They don't have a good offensive line. Um, I mean, just, I mean, they have a horrific offensive line. They have so-so running backs. Um, they have one great receiver. And then they have a quarterback who can make these crazy plays. Their defense is awful. Um, Wisconsin just Wisconsin them. Like, Wisconsin ran whatever. Wisconsin, a vanilla football team, ran whatever the most vanilla-y of their... There's, like, literally, like, here comes Jonathan Taylor up the middle. Here we go. Here come the fatties. And, you know, and Nebraska just packed the box and, you know... Wisconsin just knew that they were going to roll over them and wasn't trying to break out the full playbook here. Um, but Nebraska kind of kept it close. Nebraska's defense is awful. But you should be genuinely worried about Adrian Martinez. He is an amazing quarterback with an amazing ability to scramble. Um, and he's and an amazing ability to extend plays. So it's just going to come down to containing him. If we contain him, there's nothing here. This is a bad football team. Yeah, and you know, here's another thing with Martinez, and we, we saw that early on, um, you know, in, against Colorado when he got banged up, and when this is a guy who's you know a true freshman, he's your entire offense, and he's gonna t- he's taking a beating because, like you said, the offensive line's not very good. They don't have a ton of other options. He, you know, we're gonna get to him, and we're gonna hit him, and you know, he's gonna. You know, like he's he's gonna get hit, and you can't have your entire offense just through one person. It just it it's not sustainable. Right, and the flip side is too. And don't forget about this: Wisconsin still scored a bunch of points against Nebraska, and we're going to score a bunch of points against Nebraska too. Everybody has Michigan obliterated Nebraska, and they scored twenty points against us. Okay, so. Our ability to throw and run are both going to be there. And don't think that we're going to dial it back in any way. This is a conference game, and it's Nebraska, okay? We're going to throw everything we have at them, and it's going to be at home. There's also, too, this is the most penalized team in the country. They're just a dumpster fire, okay? They are a dumpster fire with an exciting quarterback, the 0-5 thing is not an aberration. Just because they found a little bit of heart against Wisconsin, that game was not close. It was never close. Um, Martinez is the real deal. And if that guy was... I mean, the, he should have transferred immediately as soon as he realized what he had. Um, and maybe, you know, give him credit. Maybe they'll build something around him eventually. But this isn't the first time that we've played a Nebraska team with a mobile quarterback... Uh, where that mobile quarterback has had problems against us and or made mistakes. Now, he's a special athlete. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, and Wisconsin, who has a great defense, was having some real trouble with him. But again, it's one person. I'm going to okay? pump the brakes a little bit on Wisconsin's great defense. They've looked a little more mortal than I think we've, uh, I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them in a few weeks. But let's just be a, a little leery about that. Well, let's talk about that, too, because this is an important thing that we all need to accept, right? We're going to be well-favored in each of our next two games. These are two of the three, not counting Illinois, worst teams in the Big Ten that we're playing in the next two weeks. We never sit well in that position, (laughs) historically. Uh, And this season, you know, being no exception with the Akron game, right? Um, and compounding that is we are already within the orbit of the giant game of the season. That Wisconsin game is calling from three weeks off. If we are 4-1 and one in conference playing the Badgers, 
that game becomes the whole season effectively. Um, because were we to win that game, the ramifications would just be seismic in terms of our chances of winning the West. And to your point, right, Wisconsin has not looked like this unstoppable juggernaut. Uh, they've looked like a team we could match up with. And that's going to be the siren song that is calling to Northwestern now at this point um, while we prepare for two vastly inferior opponents. It's a tough position to be in. It's two weeks worth of trap games. So we've got to just step up. Again, he is a mess to deal with. He's going to make a couple game-breaking plays against us. Um, I would just expect that. And you hope that there's going to be a mistake there along the way, too. He's still such a young guy. Like Sam says, he could get banged up. But Nebraska is a god-awful football team. And they are a defense that is untalented, undisciplined, and gives up penalties. And that just combination... Remember, the entire right side of our line is healthy and talented. Okay, Center, guard, tackle, right? Jared Thomas, Tommy Joel, Tommy Doles, Rashawn Slater. We can run right against this defense if we can do nothing else. And we can also protect against the passer. Nebraska can't rush the quarterback. We can get time in the pocket. Our receivers are going to be able to get open and we should be able to run right with power and finesse. So all of that stuff, if you're worried about Martinez, we're going to score points against this team. Um, it's just a question of bottling him up just enough to get the win that we need. Now, here's one thing to keep in mind. And, uh, you know, since Nebraska has joined the Big Ten, uh, our series with them has been very bizarre insofar as we have never beaten them at Ryan Field. You know, we've only beaten them in Lincoln. And only once have they uh, beaten us in Lincoln. And we never speak of that game again because... You know I'm, we're never going to speak of that again. Aside from that, the road team has won every game. Uh, it's good. So it, it's, it, it's bizarre. It's going to be really weird too, right? Because the last time Nebraska came to Evanston, just the Red Army just rolled into town. It was gross. Um, are they going to roll in to watch the worst Nebraska team in history? Um, yeah, because it is Nebraska and their fans are like weirdly insanely diehard but also kind of in a not as awful way as Michigan and Ohio State and Wisconsin I mean right so like my question so like I guess kind of what I'm wondering is will it be still an absolute mob scene or will it be somewhat less just because their team is so bad um but again it's a it's a worse position to be in because certainly Martinez had a breakout game against Wisconsin they weren't ever in any in any danger of winning, but they did take a step. Well, I don't know. I keep saying they. He took a positive step <laughs> in the right direction. Um, and, you know, they're looking for, for a win, something that they can say, oh, we can build on this. Um, I still would take giant black marker and circle Bethune-Cookman as that game for them. Um, but... But again, I, you know, we certainly don't want to be that team that gives them the chance to flip the script. And like, like, just like you said, Sammy, the, the narrative has been weird in terms of home field advantage for this series. But again, you just, it's, you want preparation. You want to watch for trap games. You want to respect this dynamic athlete that they have, but you can't undo a season and a half of God awful football. And they're and you know they have players transferring out every week. I mean, it's just this toxic culture there right now, and it's you know, you, you it's hard just not to look and be like, we can do so many things against this team. Um, there are no questions. It's not like Akron even, who by the way, uh, Akron very well may have beaten Nebraska had those two teams played. Oh, in for Lincoln. sure. Um, I would say that's probably a coin flip if you look at everything Akron's done and everything Wisconsin's done this season. Um, so, I mean, Akron's just better, and they still needed an, uh, the, an extreme amount of luck. So I'm not saying luck's not going to go against us in this game. I'm just saying 
their defense is what Nebraska's defense is, and it's just so hard to envision not scoring points here. One other really important thing, for better or worse, with this crazy carousel of running backs we've had going, as things currently stand, our number one and number two running backs, if they are Solomon Vault, well, it's going to be Solomon Vault and John Moten, but figure on a do- on a dose of Drake Anderson, all those guys are crazy fast, and big impact plays are going to be there for us in the running game. Um, the chances of Solomon Vault breaking one in this game are high. So, I know it's just it's hard not to keep coming back to just like, yeah, but Nebraska sucks. So it's like you know. Dangerous quarterback, kind of quarterback who gives Northwestern fits. Yeah, but Nebraska's bad everywhere else. And all that being said, we're only a three and a half point favorite, which I'm fine with. Honestly. Oh. You know, you look at Northwestern's performance against the spread, it's been just miserable and weird and bizarre. I mean, like last week, uh, you know, we were a 10 point dog and like we have this weirdly good record whenever we're a 10 point underdog 10 point or whenever we're a double digit underdog we've won outright like four of uh, five of the last eight games we've been double digit underdogs so just if you are of the gambling type and you are thinking about betting on northwestern first you're wrong absolutely in every way shape or form you've listened to us for how long and you still think it's a wise idea to bet on the northwestern team don't just don't save your money, bet it somewhere else. You know, that it's just all you can never count on Northwestern to do what you think that they should do, especially when it comes to the spread. Right. And, and we went to overtime with this team last year. Now, again, if anyone who remembers that game, that's your negative scenario for what this game is going to look like because we spent that entire game being like, oh my gosh, how are we letting this god-awful team stay in the game with us? And we ultimately escaped with an overtime win. But that's what it felt like at the time. It felt like us letting a bad team hang around. And that's not the feeling you want to get in this game. And again, they, they threw for 407 yards against Wisconsin last game. But if you watch the tape of that, it's 407 yards based on basically running Hail Mary plays on every play. I mean, he completed barely over half of the passes that he attempted um, and threw a couple balls that could have been intercepted and ran around and, and bought himself time and made a lot of good plays. Nebraska can't run the ball in a traditional sense. Um, they gave up 370 rushing yards to the Badgers. If you think that Wisconsin can get 370 and we can't get at least 200. I don't know what to tell you. So, um, yeah, I just, it's, it's a take care of business game. The team found itself, got back on the right track against Michigan state. And now we need to keep it going. And one, just to touch on your, uh, your discussion of of the sea of red that will be coming. I mean, Nebraska fans will be there, but it is our homecoming. So there should be, theoretically at least be a you know more substantial amount of purple in the crowd just uh, based on homecoming and you know we've got this tradition of scheduling our homecoming games not necessarily against teams we know we can beat but more against teams where we're trying to uh, limit the number of opposing fans that come in um i have this i i looked at next year's schedule and panicked realizing that most likely our homecoming is going to be against ohio state Oh, this is, you know, it's funny. The great irony of the next two weeks is this coming week will be our homecoming. And with all that Nebraska is doing, it still may not look like our homecoming in the stadium. The And the week after is definitely going to look like a Northwestern football game, even though that game is at Rutgers. Yeah. And if you, and if you think I'm lying, find a photo of the Rutgers-Illinois game. Oh, boy. They're 500 people, 1,000 people. I just, Rutgers is a joke of a team that shouldn't be in the Big Ten playing in front of a, at best, quarter full stadium. I mean, I, they, they claimed it was a blackout game, but there were a lot of people disguised as chairs there. I mean, yeah. 
I and like blackout as in like there was some sort of power blackout and people couldn't <laughs> get to the game or something. I don't know. Well, um, we we and, we should probably save all of our Rutgers joke material for next week. Let's not let's sure. not expend the uh, the very very deep well of sure. uh, of, of Rutgers. Amen. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> another re- real interesting thing I noticed today. <laughs> for some reason, this is on ABC nationwide. You know, I, I have a hard time seeing why that's a good idea for ABC. I mean, I mean, this is two. I mean, uh, with all due respect to, to our own team, this is two teams that are combined two and eight. So I, <laughs> you know, I guess Nebraska maybe draws. I mean, maybe it's to watch Martinez, but I don't know. I mean, the the thing to remember for us too is with everything that's gone on, two games in a row in which we'll be favored. Were we to win those two games, we'll be four and one in the Big Ten, um, and the it, you know it's just the stakes continue to be extremely high here. Yeah, like Eric was saying last week, you know there is nothing that we've seen this year that disqualifies us from what we're shooting for. Yeah, two bummer non-conference losses, but when it comes to the Big Ten, you can deal with that. You know, a bummer of a loss to, to Michigan. That's not in our division. You can deal right. with that. As long as we take care of business against Wisconsin and Iowa, you know, we've already taken care of Purdue. We'll, we'll, we'll worry about Minnesota later on this year. I, you know, they're, they've been a little feisty. They're going to run into a, eh. a buzzsaw this week. But, uh, you know, as long as we take care of our business in the division, that Wisconsin game, and then the Iowa game remain everything. Right. And I think so. There's there's just so much to play with. I think so much to play for. I think to your point earlier about Wisconsin, one way to spin this is if Wisconsin somehow has had a defensive regression, which I did not see coming, but if they have, an easy way to prove it would be for us to go out and handle you know, Nebraska in a way that Wisconsin couldn't defensively. Uh, and and make a statement and say you know what our we've got the better defense this year and were we able to do that that would certainly raise a lot of eyebrows in our fan base and outside our fan base you know as again we're already in the orbit of that massive game in three weeks so um, this is the first step along that road uh, that is still you know several weeks away we got you know it's going to be Halloween coming up so let's let's not uh, put the cart before the horse too much we do need to take care of our own business. Um, let's look around the rest of the Big Ten real quick. I uh, don't want to spend too much time on this. Uh, Minnesota is traveling to Ohio State. Ohio State at 29.5 point favorite. I will say, though, we talked about it. We talked that that Indiana is the kind of team that Ohio State is heading into this, like, what, five-week coma or whatever that they're going to be in, going into hibernation for five weeks. And Minnesota sort of, I mean, Indiana sort of caught them napping for a little bit, enough to wake, enough to poke the bear, wake Ohio State up and get Ohio State to finish the way that they should. But um, I don't know. I For, for whatever reason, I doubt that Minnesota is going to do the same thing. No. I feel like that 27 sounds about right. Uh Rutgers at Maryland. Care to guess the line? Oh, boy. Well, Maryland's looked a little feisty lately. Um, well, actually, no. I mean, not really. Um, God, but does it even matter? They, they're a real football team. Um, <laughs> 21, I'll say. 25 and a half. 25 and a half. Again, just put on your uniform and show up. <laughs> uh, also at 11 o'clock, Iowa at Indiana. There's another one, right? Iowa, we seem to feel like we had a pretty pretty good read on them. Iowa-Minnesota, I feel like, kind of went exactly how we thought. A comfortable win for Iowa. Um, and that's the same thing I would expect here. Indiana, again, was a little feisty against Ohio State, but I think we can expect that Iowa, you know, probably beats them by a couple touchdowns. Guess the line? Uh, I'll say eight. No. Four, Fourteen. Five. Really? Yeah. Mm, interesting. I, I, I guess Vegas uh, thought a little bit more of that Indiana uh, performance against Ohio State last week. So Hey, they got them at home. Well, uh, maybe it'll be an interesting low-scoring game. I, I'm giving Iowa a little bit more credit. I think Indiana's going to have trouble scoring points, but we'll see. Uh, you've got Michigan State at Penn State. 
you know, Pixie oh, still, what... still, I mean, they might have sleptwalked a little bit after the Ohio State loss last week, but then they just turned it on. And, uh, you know, Michigan State is coming off uh, the last week's loss to us. Um, you know, a couple things, couple things to remember about this, right? Because I, in one hand, I have a bad feeling that Michigan State's going to go to Penn State and Penn State's going to throttle them, taking some of the luster off of, off of our win. Um, and maybe they won't. Maybe they, maybe it'll, maybe Michigan State will rebound. But just remember, it behoo, like, it's in our interest for Penn State to be kicking the crap out of teams at home because Wisconsin goes to Penn State later this year. So, you know, I I feel like that's the kind of game that's going to play out here, but maybe it won't. Maybe Michigan State will rebound. Purdue? Oh, do you want to guess the line? Uh, again, I feel like 10-ish? 13 and a half. 13 and a half. So, yeah, right around two touchdowns. So. And I think I might go over that, but I don't know. Maybe Michigan State will surprise me. You'd uh, you'd lay the points. I think I would take Penn State there, right. um, but but I don't know. Again, I maybe that's wishful thinking because as much as I would like to see Michigan State add luster to that win, we need Wisconsin taking an L on the road there. So we'll see. Uh, Purdue at Illinois, uh, two thirty uh, Central. <sighs> Purdue's kind of you know found a little bit of life lately. Come on, go smoke Illinois, Purdue. Just yeah. go and put your foot on their neck and just smoke them. Let's go. Illinois with a conference win last week for the first time in how many years? And I mean, Asterisk. <laughs> yeah, to your point. Wait, Sam, if no one was there to see it, it didn't happen. And, I, and no one was there to see it. Uh, guess the line? Uh, I'll say... I'll say Illinois gets too much respect. I'll say Purdue by seven. Ten and a half. Good. Beat them by 20, Purdue. And then uh, the big game of the week. I mean, this is a game that, you know, is Fowler and Herb Street are there. I, I believe game day is there. Wisconsin at Michigan. That's going to be that's gonna be really interesting. And that's going to, I think, tell us a lot about, you know, we, we may have seen a few cracks in the armor of the Wisconsin defense. I mean, they had trouble with BYU, who then got smoked by Utah State last week. Um, you know, Nebraska put up some put up yards and and some points on them too. So it'll be real interesting to see how Michigan is able to lock down Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you know, they're going to be all up in Hornybrook's face all day long. I mean, Chase Winovich is. Well, and will Chase Winovich live in the Wisconsin backfield? I mean, Wisconsin's got the the hog mollies up front, so this hey, this is I gonna mean, be a fun game to watch. A fun game, and and again, we're officially getting to the point where all things involving Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Iowa mean a massive amount. I don't care what your allegiances are in this game. I hate the Wolverines as much as anybody. You should be rooting hard for the Wolverines here. We need carnage. Wisconsin taking an L here would be a huge bonus for us. As it is, I think they're the better team here. But Michigan could certainly win this game if they just find it, find their mojo. Um, And a bonus loss here, um, you know, I mean, God help us if there was actually a situation where we could lose to Wisconsin and potentially still get past them. Um, It's it's still a tall order, but... um, we definitely it, it greatly helps us to have any kind of road uh, where Wisconsin has several losses because if we beat one of Wisconsin and Iowa but not both, we're going to need other things to break in our favor. This is one of those things. Care guess the line? I'm going to say tight. I'm going to say Badgers by five. Wow, you are thirteen points off. Michigan by eight. Michigan by eight. Wow. Uh, Like, on the basis of what? (laughs) What what have they done to earn that? Oh, my gosh. Like, uh, honestly, what have they done to earn that line? I don't know. 
I oh my god, I don't I don't even know what to say about that. Based on their awesome home performances against Western Michigan, SMU, Nebraska, and Maryland. Well, you ain't getting any of those teams this week. I mean, good. Go do it. Like you don't have to beat them by eight. You just have to beat them by one Wolverines. Get it, get it done. Ah, uh, yeah, that, that's that's fascinating. Um, have you looked at the the calendar? See what else is going on. Um, you know, as we record this on Tuesday night, you've got a little uh, Sun Belt Fun Belt App State up twenty eight to nine over Arkansas State. Uh, that's fun yeah. going on this late late in the game. Um, uh, App State, just all you had to do was take in the App State. You just had to <laughs> I'm actually really interested in uh, Colorado at USC. Um, you know, that's, oh, yeah. You know, Pac-12 after dark, so that, that's on at 9.30 Central. So um, I just love that you've got Colorado at USC, and I, I don't know, like the undisputed best player in that game is playing for Colorado, yeah. which is just an unbelievable thing to say. LaVisca Chenault is the best player in that football game, he which is, is just so good. It's oh just God. an amazing thing for it's just amazing for that to be true. Um whatever happens in the game. And and whatever happens in the game, you know, Colorado's got a lot of hard games left on their schedule, but they've earned this start and they're going to go bowling and they're going to have a good record at the end of the year and it's all just gravy for this point. I mean, they're a good team with a good player. Like God love them. They you're you're poor Tatanka, Sammy. They've they've spent a lot of time in the wilderness. <laughs> they really and, have. Uh, they fa- they finally they've, come they've, home. Yeah, they've earned this. So, uh, two, so two years Two years ago, winning the Pac-12 South, obviously last year was a big-time regression, but, you know, they came back. And, you know, the teams that they've beaten haven't been, aren't necessarily a murderer's row. I mean, Colorado State has been god-awful this year. Um, They beat uh, New Hampshire. They've beaten, um, so they beat Arizona State last week. That was... They they beat New Hampshire and they beat... UCLA and on the list of teams currently or formerly coached by Chip Kelly it's hard to tell which of those teams is the worst team this year <laughs> and l- let's not forget them going into Nebraska and winning although and it's like so you look at never forget never forget oh, a- absolutely not but I mean you look at those first four games there's a grand total of I think one or two wins amongst all of those teams combined Arizona State was a little bit better and yeah, that that was a fun game, but uh, you know, after USC, they then go to Seattle uh, to take on Washington, which is yeah, just going to be rough. It's time to pay the piper, but I mean, my God, a split out of those two games would be a dream result. I mean, they're they're playing with house money. Just yeah. go, just throw your best punch, Colorado. Um, elsewhere uh, around the country next week, um. Let's see what else we got. Uh, we got Missouri. It's Missouri's turn to get fed into the wood chipper against Alabama. Sure, yeah, good. That, good, good fu- have fun with that. <laughs> um, Georgia LSU is a huge one. Yeah, that, that um, that'll be a lot of fun. LSU, I mean, could get a potential real rebound game here. It's Georgia's huge first huge test of the season. Um, that's that's a massive one. Um, it, it's not. Def- it's not Tiger Stadium at night though. It's a, that's a two. That's the two thirty CBS game. I know it is kind of weird, right? Um, between that and us playing nationally televised game on ABC, <laughs> cats and dogs living together—I don't know—it's uh, uh, just a, a weird stretch. Um, and then you've got Washington, Washington, and Oregon. That's another weird one, right? It's two ranked teams: Pac-10, ABC, Pac-12, ABC, and yet. I, I don't know. It just doesn't quite have the luster to me yet. I mean, I know Washington's a great team, but you know, they took that L to Auburn, played a great team early on in the season, but I don't know. That game just doesn't excite me the way it would have in years past. Well, I mean, or Oregon isn't quite as lights out as, you know, they, they have been in the past. I mean, they, they have yet to really uh, recapture the magic and the mystique that they had under Chip Kelly. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be fun to watch, or at least, you know, in our case, listen to on the radio on the drive home from the stadium. I'll tell you one that I have a feel. I don't know. It just has a feeling of one that people will be talking about that no one's talking about. West Virginia at Iowa State. Because West Virginia doesn't just have a trap 
like a, a potential trap game before a big game. They have two trap games before a trap before like a month. In November, they play at Texas, home for TCU, at Oklahoma State, home for Oklahoma. Just a nightmare schedule for Will Greer and his Heisman candidacy. But this week, they're at Iowa State, who beat Oklahoma State last week and has played a bunch of teams really tough this year. And I feel like everyone is just already looking ahead to that Texas game for West Virginia. And I don't know. I feel like they could run into some problems that they're not expecting this week. So we'll see on that one. Iowa State, always frisky at home. You know? Yeah. That, 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 they're a fun one to watch. And, you know, Matt, Camp- sure. Matt Campbell, I don't know if he's getting quite the buzz as he was getting last year in terms of, you know, being the coach du jour that everyone wants to go higher. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I'm in, like, Texas is ranked number nine. Yeah. They, they, they beat Oklahoma big, but I, you know, congratulations to them. That, that I'm not taking anything away from that win, but, Number nine, really? Look, if we never have to, if we're never able to forget about the Akron game, they can never forget about that god awful Maryland game that they played. And I remember watching that game, and it didn't feel like Texas was just like couldn't like get their head out of their own butt. It felt like they just weren't good. And I don't know how they have somehow found it. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma fired their defensive coordinator the day after the game. Uh, I, I think they, they, they've been wanting to do that for a while. I don't know right. why they didn't do it after the uh, the playoff game. So you could say there are maybe some extenuating circumstances relative to performance there for Oklahoma. But yeah, no, I know. I, I still, Texas, I mean, again, a lot of these teams in the Big 12 still have to bang heads. And I think a lot of this is still going to sort itself out. Feels like, uh, feels like not a trophy year for the Big 12. Not, not a not feeling like a, a CFP year for them, but I don't know. Maybe Oklahoma can somehow run the table, but I, I don't see it happening. Or, you know, West Virginia is still undefeated. They are ranked, so, they're ranked number six. I'll tell you, too, if West Virginia goes undefeated, I don't care what Tua Tagovailoa does, Will Greer's going to win the Heisman. And I don't think people are giving him nearly enough credit. He's easily the number one Heisman candidate. Two is the best player. And two is also on the best team, and two his numbers are unbelievable. But Will Greer is basically like he's following the Heisman script line by line. He is his team, and he's out there carrying them on his back for like five touchdowns week after week. He's the guy until they lose, and they're going to lose. <laughs> But until they do, and if in your scenario, like Sammy, he somehow carries them through that unbelievable November, he's going to win the Heisman. And they'll probably make the college football playoff, but I don't think that's going to happen. At the end of the day, Oklahoma's probably just going to truck them, and they may lose before they even get that far. And and what's crazy is, you know, because the Pac-12, or because the Big 12's ridiculous um, round robin and yet still have a, a title game, you could very easily see a situation where West Virginia and Oklahoma play uh, Thanksgiving weekend and then come right back the next weekend and play again. Right. And that's and then like split and then not and then not neither of them go. Yeah. And like the the Big Twelve is gonna realize real real quick that that's gonna happen. And Right. And let, let's let's kind of talk about the playoff just real briefly. I, I don't want to go too deep into it just because it is still you know er, early October, but there is a there is a situation and there's a scenario you could be looking at what two SEC teams and Notre Dame. You're gonna yeah. you could very easily have two SEC teams, Ohio State, and Notre Dame, and have three conferences left out. Or, you know, or Clemson instead of Ohio State. But like Bama, Georgia could very easily be in there. And, you know, if Notre Dame runs the table, they'll be in. Right. I think the, the question, the question it could come down to will be, right. Let's say like the most likely scenario. I don't know. Let's say Clemson runs the table. Let's say Alabama runs the table and you end up with like a one loss Georgia and then, um, undefeated Ohio State, undefeated Notre Dame. And credit to Notre Dame, um, 
you know, they've got to get past their own, you know, losing streak. As long as we're talking about Michigan State, team that had a two-game losing streak became a three-day, three-game losing streak, while Notre Dame's in the same boat yep, against us. Absolutely, absolutely. So they've got to get past our, their own date. Um, but ever since Ian Book took over at quarterback, that's a different team, and they're awesome. Yeah. I'm not going to sell them short. That's a great football team, and they could easily run the table. And Ohio State is the most talented team, one of the most talented teams in the country, and they could run the table too. So then all of a sudden it's going to be a one-loss Georgia versus those two teams. And the question is, does Georgia really, if their only loss is Alabama in the SEC championship game, are you really going to put in that Notre Dame team ahead of them or that Ohio State team ahead of them? I mean, the dream scenario is Ohio State getting shut out again. I'd even, like, I hate Notre Dame, and I'd like to see Notre Dame make it just to see Ohio State get shut out two years in a row. That would just be incredible. Um, uh, And then I think, and then what I would love to see is Ohio State have to play a mandatory football game against UCF, and then UCF beat them. That would be the dream dream season for me. Um, But yeah, no, I think... I think there's there's a really good chance in the committees. But I'll tell you, the easiest thing is if Clemson loses a football game, they're out. Oh, for sure. If it's, if it's the, a one-loss Clemson. The ACC is way weaker this year than it has been the years past. Right. Clemson's not getting in if they don't run the table. Um, probably you could say the same thing about Ohio State. You could certainly say it about Notre Dame. I mean, that, that's going to be the interesting thing. I mean, right now you're projecting based on all these teams being undefeated. <clears throat> but then the question is, someone's going to take a loss more than likely. Do more than one team take a loss? I mean, these things rarely work out neatly, um, and we'll see what happens. And I, I just can't wait to hear the talking heads just screaming at the top of their lungs when it's two SEC teams, Notre Dame and Clemson, and you know the Big Ten gets shut out again, the Big 12, the Pac-12. I mean, when you're looking at three Power 5 conferences not making the playoff, you're going to be seeing an 18 playoff real soon. Yep, exactly. And I mean, not to mention UCF. I don't care about schedules. I don't care about anything. If UCF goes, <clears throat> what, 28-0 and 0 over the course of two seasons without making the CFP, that alone should be a cause for expanding it. I don't care who they're playing. Just the idea that, like, that's easy to do is ridiculous. But, so, we'll see. Well, I I think it's probably about time we uh, we go ahead and put a bow on this one. Um, you know, uh, homecoming this weekend is is going to be fun. Um, yeah, there'll be a bunch of red, but you know, and believe me, I hate Nebraska with the depths of you know the ninth hell of ninth level of hell. I, I you know, grew up you know with the the slogan, "I'd rather be dead than red." Uh, that's what they said in Boulder anytime you played Nebraska. Um, begrudgingly, I will admit that their fans have been pretty cool. Um, that being said, I want to mop the floor with them this weekend. And I, I don't want to, uh, to go through another home loss to Nebraska, especially as how awful they have been this year so far. I, I don't want to be the team that Scott Frost gets his first win uh, in the conference against. I think so. <clears throat> my, my one suggestion in that, you know, these, these quote, nice Nebraska fans that you're talking about. Um, I think as Northwestern fans, the nicest thing we can do is if you see a Nebraska fan, just be nice, but just pretend that it's the nineties, go up to them and be like, Hey, have you seen that new show friends? It's so good. How about that movie? Few good men. Because Nebraska fans desperately want it to be the '90s right now, and we can all just like help them, help them live that dream. <laughs> um, also, you know, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our interview with Dan Persa from last week, uh, go back and take a listen. That was a really amazing interview uh, with uh, Dan Persa, and you know, we're real proud of that. And you know, definitely go back and if you haven't had a chance to listen to it. Go ahead and uh, download that and, and have a listen. He did, he was phenomenal. Just some, I mean, some real, if you haven't, some real inside football. If you want to know what it's like week to week um, and what the players are doing, um, what they should be doing, what Persa did, you know, it's, he went deep. 
in terms of the process, in terms of the things that go into success, not in terms of platitudes, in terms of the literal things that go into success throughout the week, um, then, then listen. A lot deeper than we were thinking it might go. So that was just really phenomenal. And with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for this week. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at Westlaw Pirates. You can call our voicemail line at 847-231-CATS. That's 847-231-2287. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field or the Central, uh, the Central Golf Lot. Uh, flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.